0: You know we're we're evolving, and I think there's there's sort of a different future because um, we're we're figuring out what blended learning looks like.
1: Welcome to episode 425 of the Community Broadband Bits podcast. This is Rye Markitilio McCracken here at the Institute for Local Self Reliance. Today, Christopher talks with Jill Levine, Chief of Innovation and School Choice at Hamilton County Schools, along with Evan Freeman, Director of Government Relations at EPB the City of Chattanooga's Electric Power and Fiber Internet Utility, as well as Deb Sosha, President of the Enterprise Center. Together, the group discusses the recent landmark announcement by Hamilton County Schools of HCS EdConnect, in which the schools, local government, EPB, and local stakeholders and philanthropic organizations have made it possible to connect all school children on free or reduced lunch programs in the district to free 100-megabit symmetrical Internet access For the next 10 years. Jill, Evan, and Deb discuss the challenges of setting up the partnerships that made it happen, overcoming obstacles, including dealing with tens of thousands of new customers with unique skills and needs, and how they managed to pull it off. Now here's Christopher talking with Jill Levine, Evan Freeman, and Deb Sosha. Welcome
2: to another episode of the Community Broadband Bits Podcast. I'm Christopher Mitchell at the Institute for Local Self-Reliance in St. Paul, Minnesota. And today, I am just so excited to talk about one of the, the best announcements of the year. It's been a hard year, and we have a just a great announcement to discuss today. Uh, we're going to talk about what's happening in Chattanooga around the Hamilton County Schools with internet access, getting out to all the kids in the, um, in the free and reduced lunch program. Um, and if I made any mistakes, it'll be cleaned up shortly. On the show today, we're going to have Jill Levine, who is the Chief of Innovation and School Choice at Hamilton County Schools. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Great to be here.
0: I'm
2: I'm so excited to to talk about this and I'm I'm glad that um we don't only have Deb. We'll introduce in a second. <laughs> I, can, I get to throw a shade at Deb after all these years. Um uh, love Deb though. Yes. That's why, because I'm sure I'll get negative emails for even that little bit of shade. Um, we also have Evan Freeman, the Director of Government Relations at EPB, the uh, municipal electric power and, and wonderful internet provider uh, in Chattanooga. Welcome to the show,
3: Evan. Thanks for having
2: me. And we, finally then, we have Deb Sosha, who's been on several times, who is an inspiration to everyone working in this field, uh, president of the Enterprise Center now in Chattanooga. Hey, Deb.
4: Hi, Chris. Great to be here.
2: Thank you so much and And I would give full credit to Deb for pulling this panel together when I, I told her that I wanted to talk to the folks that could give us the best information. Um, she pointed out Jill and Evan, and so we 're going to mostly um, have them fill in the gaps but um so Jill, I just I want to start I, I tease this, and I think most of the listeners who are following this had already heard. But this is uh, just remarkable that so many kids now will have home internet access. Basically, all of them in the schools, we would assume. Um, and so, I want to ask you first: you know, How excited are the Hamilton County Schools to to be at the forefront of this?
0: Oh, well, it's it's so exciting. I mean, what this means to us is that 17,000 low-income households that um, previously weren't able to connect to virtual learning um, at speeds, at high enough speeds to access, um, you know, videos and Zoom and those sorts of things are now going to be able to. So, um, you know, principals all over the district are saying to me, you know, I know this family who was, you know, we closed down school on March 13th last year and um, really have, were disconnected. Even though with great efforts to stay connected with families, um, a lot of kids were disconnected from learning. And so um, families are now being hooked up um, to um, the high speed Internet and um, kids are able to learn from home um, safely as they need to be right now. So people are very excited about this. Excellent. And I should say it's a 10 year commitment. So this isn't something we're just doing for a couple of weeks or a couple of months. This is a commitment that our community has made for the next 10 years.
2: Yeah. So one and two year olds can be excited about it too.
0: Good point
2: <laughs> so evan i i have to say i i first met harold the priest more than 10 years ago um and and at that time already epb seemed like a place to work where people had real mission and drive and i have to assume there's a lot of pride in in bringing this this kind of level of connectivity to the entire community now um what's the what, just give me a sense of how people feel about it over um you know at the uh electric power board uh, everybody's
3: excited about it. Um, it. It's been pretty cool because I'm, I'm fairly, fairly new uh, to the company. And, and one of the big, big things uh, since I've been at EPB that I've learned is, is there's there's a huge emphasis on community engagement and a huge emphasis on, on just being there, um, being a good good corporate steward. You know, being able to, to assist in closing the digital divide, that's something that's been on on every member of the, of the staff. Um, that's been on the, on the front of their mind for so long. And just to, to be a part of this opportunity to jump in and, and help the community is huge.
2: Wonderful. And Deb, um, as a former principal, I assume you hate children. So you're probably not very enthusiastic about this.
4: <laughs> you know how much I care about this, Chris. And, and I have to say, we're really lucky to have such great partnerships. And what I love is not only is everyone passionate about making sure children are connected, they're passionate about working together to make it happen. So we are finding ways around any problem that presents itself to ensure that every child is connected.
2: So let's talk about this now. Exactly. Um, Jill, tell us exactly how this works. So for people who've only heard a couple of references about it, um, you said 17,000 families, but what, what, is, what is actually happening here?
0: First of all, our community partners came together, determined to reduce the digital divide and raised millions of dollars. Um, so, so that happened first um, in order to make this happen. And I think it's important to know that's the Chattanooga way. People come together from all different areas and think about how can we make things possible and collaborate and continue to collaborate while we figure it out. This is not easy. And that's why a lot of places haven't figured it out. Is it's just not easy to no do. No one.
3: I mean, <laughs> uh, right? No one
0: has figured it out. No one's figured it out with the speed that we have with our our internet, which is a hundred megabits per second with symmetrical upload and download speed. So, so for us from the school district, what that means is that we had to identify which families qualified. Um, At this point, we have um, emailed all of those families if they didn't respond at at first we've emailed again. Um, And again, we've now sent text messages to all those families to fill out a survey. So far we've had about 10,000 um, students opt in. And, um, and then we share that information with EPB, and they schedule installation. And um, I think we're getting close to 3000 kids now being part of the program, it's going to take us some time to get to the 17,000. Um, because you know, you've got to wire and install infrastructure and all of those kind of things to make it happen. But more and more kids are getting connected every day and being able to access high quality learning from home.
2: Evan, I have to ask about this because there's communities that have seventeen thousand homes in t- entirety and it takes them years to connect them. Um, how how are you all preparing to do this?
3: Um, well you know, we have have the infrastructure infrastructure, the fiber infrastructure that was late um, years ago, you know, and you referenced that back in back in 2010. And now it's just identifying those homes that that have not had access that we could you could put the ONTs uh, onto their homes and provide routers. Um, so right now we're just working through that and, and identifying the families that that need that that service.
2: And now this is something that um, let me, um, Deb raised her hand. <laughs> I
4: just want to say, you know, these things don't happen without amazing people like Jill and Evan. But I also want to compliment the the elected officials here. Uh, Mayor Burke and Mayor Coppinger, the city and the county, David Wade from EPB, Dr. Johnson from the school department, the fact that they are all so committed to this is part of the reason this is going to work. Because every single problem that comes up, we find a solution, right? And I think that that's part of why this will be successful. And I am so convinced it will be.
2: That's a good point, Deb, and I I think it's worth noting as well that not only do people in Chattanooga, particularly in this technical space, work together in that way, we don't see people demanding credit. Um, you know, I look at the kind of leadership of David Wade does a lot of really great things. Uh, Mayor Burke, um, they're they're doing this stuff because they know it's right, and um, and I also have worked in enough communities where I see really good ideas that don't come to fruition because the head of public works is not interested or something like that, and so um, I think it's really worth highlighting that in the community. Um, But Evan, I I do want to raise the question of um, this is something that um, is going to cost millions of dollars. And I'm just curious if you can give us a sense of why the electric utility couldn't just do it itself. Chattanooga is one of the most successful um, fiber networks. What are the restrictions that would have stopped you from trying to just do this in-house?
3: since we're a uh, uh, municipal electric company, uh, we're restricted to, to give away, you know, uh, because of state law, we can't provide any service for, for uh, less than what it cost us to, to put it out there. Um, so in that case, we had to raise the money. Uh, so in our, our initial conversations, when we, we got the number that is going to be about 17,000 households, uh, we, we, we figured out what that will cost if we had, you know, putting the ONTs on the homes and, and building out fiber in areas that, that, build into the home and areas that don't have it um, so that, that's when we came up with 8.2 million dollars and, and we had to go out to our community partners and, and to to piggyback on what Deb said it, you know at every person that we've talked to as soon as we talked to the the city mayor and the county mayor and and with our foundations which which really stepped up at big time and, and some of our corporate partners once we you know tell them hey this is what we need at everybody it was all hands on deck everybody you know threw money in and made a big commitment right away
2: and so, Jill, if you could step back to the beginning, I'm curious, when, when did the, who came up with the idea first or, or kind of like at what point did, did you become aware of it?
0: I became aware of it when our superintendent, who is quite visionary, started saying, yeah, I've got another call with David Wade. Got to go. Got another call hmm. with David Wade. And <laughs> I, they were in conversation all the time trying to figure out how to make this work. And then other community partners, you know, our mayors, like you said, we have a city mayor and a county mayor, the enterprise center, the foundations, um, just started to think about, um, you know, how can we make this work? So, so you know, as has been said, it was an incredible collaboration um, among visionary people who you're exactly right. No one's stepping forward and saying, you know, we take full credit for this because every person had a part or every organization has had a part in bringing this forward. And so then once, once we sort of got it going, um, we we developed a collaborative team of of those those on this call and, and you know several others who um, meet weekly just to collaborate, to problem solve, to develop structures and um, data tracking systems and all these all the kind of details that we have to have communications, all those things to to make this work for the long term. And
2: I, I'm curious about that. Um... What are some of those things? Because I feel like for a lot of us, we just think, "Oh, well, no problem." Seventeen thousand families. Why don't why not just connect them? And, and and of course, the schools will know exactly how to handle this. so
0: Yeah. So yeah, there are so many details. Um, the outreach to families has been really important. We cast like the widest net first through you know an email survey and then text messages, but it's going to come down to personal contact and some paper pencil with some families to get them signed on and and get them engaged. Um, you know, that has to be in multiple languages. And we have to build trust with some of our families to get them to um, you know want to sign on as well. So there are a lot of pieces um, related to that. We have families in our school district who are outside the service area. So we also, our, our school board approved um, last night some additional funding to buy hotspots. We also built into our fundraising money for hotspots. And so some families will have those instead of the EP service just because they're outside of the service area um, we had to think about communications and you know how do we get the word out there how do we help 79 schools know how to help families who are trying to opt into this program and then a system a data tracking system of you know if, if people respond to the survey how does it populate into a system that we can then share with EPB that they can share then share back with us to tell us you know when a family is actually installed and ready to go uh, so it it's just um, it's very elaborate and complex, and there are a lot of hurdles that we've had to work through together um, to overcome. But um, as I said, I think people are excited about what this is going to mean for kids, particularly underserved kids who um, have been part of this digital divide and have haven't had a connection. and And now we're bridging to all of these families, and I, I do think just great equity move in our community. and Um, Again, it's 10 years, it's not something that we're doing until there's a vaccine for the Coronavirus. This is a 10 year commitment to our families. And I think that's really inspiring in many ways.
2: I agree. And um, you just... Um, reminded me of the 10 years um, you said earlier about the 100 megabits. Uh, that is, uh, w- without a doubt, one of the most generous programs we've seen for a program like this for low-income families. Um, Chattanooga's network um, runs at 10 gigs um, uh, for the highest end, which is the fastest in the world for any sort of residential connection. So Evan, I'm, I'm curious about the kind of costs that you're anticipating. Um, so you mentioned there's a significant cost to get all the connections out there. Um, I would guess. You're also going to see um, additional costs because presumably, even if the school devices that are handed out uh, work all the time, um, families that are going to be on these connections will probably have other devices that may be older. They might be have a little less literacy. They might need more customer service support. Um, you know, have have you had to prepare the the utility to just deal with an influx of customers that may need more help?
3: Certainly. I mean, a, a lot of the, uh, the the big picture is a lot of the folks are, are already our electric customer. Um, and if, if we have a partnership with the enterprise center and they're going to be really, really handling a lot of that, that technical end and and customer service. Uh, So we're really looking forward to partnering with them and and how that all is going to connect.
2: And Deb, I, I wanted to throw you a question. I think you might have something you want to ask me as well, but, um, or you may have a point you want to make, but I've was excited to know that you're a big part of this because I'm sure you have some sort of a plan for digital literacy and things like that in terms of how you're going to handle making sure that that it's not just the kids that get to use the network but the adults feel comfortable with it and wherever there's barriers along those lines
4: we're already working on it and I actually spoke with David Wade this week about a plan for how we're going to manage some of the extra service calls and I anticipate it's going to happen right I mean that's uh, already, quite honestly, EPB takes calls yeah. like, I don't know how to do my email, and they help people solve those problems, which is pretty amazing. You don't hear a utility or an ISP doing that very often, but we imagine this is going to be at scale quite a lot of calls, so we're working on a plan for that. We've already created, in anticipation of this, a whole bunch of tech goes home shorts, we're calling them. So they're just short videos about how do you get on Zoom? How do you use the particular programs that the district is using for student learning at home? How do you use those programs? How do you use the school district portal? You know, they use PowerSchool. How do you get onto that? How do you use it as a parent? All of these are things we will be working out as we move forward. And for sure, it's kind of a powerful collaboration between everybody involved in finding those solutions.
2: Now, when you say you're you're making these videos, um, first of all, that's the Enterprise Center, um, right? Um, you're doing that. And then how are you making them available so people will know where to look for them and things like that?
4: Yeah, that's obviously a challenge because if you're not connected at home and all of a sudden you're connected, how do you know where to go, right? And so there is paperwork that's going home with folks about how to connect to these resources, but also talking with EPB and with local public television about Putting them on television, about making them available by sending it out by email. Because if somebody's using their phone, they can certainly use their phone to watch that short video, right? And so figuring out all the ways we can do that, in addition to uh, empowering our Tech Goes Home class to be online, which it now is. Uh, we are doing a maximum number of courses this fall for families and schools, as many as we can possibly manage. And I think that's that's the challenge is meeting the need for information and devices, as well as for home access. And I feel like we're pretty well positioned to figure all that out.
2: Joe, I'm, I'm curious if there are challenges uh, within the classroom. Um, you're at the forefront now of where teachers uh, could theoretically assume that every kid is going to have high quality access. Um, now, you can't assume everyone's going to be on the same network because some families may have chosen perhaps foolishly to go with a arrival in the marketplace. <laughs> um, but, uh, I'm curious, is there, is there some sort of level of, of preparing for uh, the out of school, um, uh, that, that you're able to do or you're able to forego certain worrying about access? Like how does this, how is this different in the school in the classroom?
0: Hats off to our teachers who, right now, we're, we're running school on an AB schedule, and we have about 40% of our students full time at home. And then we have the other 60% who half are coming on Monday and Tuesday, and the other half on Thursday and Friday. So teachers are teaching kids in all different ways right now. And they have different kids in their classrooms on different days, um, and we're really dependent. On um, the internet working and all of our tech tools working, so um, so that we can figure all of this out. Um, it's incredibly challenging, um, but I've seen seen some real success. And you know, of course, this program, the HCS Ed Connect, powered by EPB, is is what we call the program. Um, is, is making this more possible for more kids. So, you know, we last spring when we went to at-home learning for 45,000 kids, one of our biggest fears was that we were going to lose them, that we we're going to lose track of them. Um, and we very quickly set up a tracker to, to see like, you know, at what's, you know, how many kids have we not heard of, heard from in any given school? Um, where are they, how can we reach out to them? And we were keeping up with that. Um, and, and a lot of it was because they didn't have internet access or quality internet access. So again, this, this program is gonna make a huge difference. It's already making a difference and um, we're really excited about that. And I think it means a lot for the future. You know, The kids won't like this, but snow days <laughs> um, or tornado days, which we have down here in in Tennessee, sometimes, or kids that have had to have surgery and can't come to school. You know, we're we're evolving, and I think there's there's sort of a different future for all of those things because um, we're we're figuring out what blended learning looks like.
2: Yes, I, that's that last bit is is fascinating as we think about the implications, especially as I would expect that there will not be a situation for several years in which I think school districts aren't worried about perhaps even just for a month having a hotspot or something like that. Once we, um, go through this problem, we're going to have a virus pop up here or there, I think. And now we'll be able to deal with it. Um, now Evan, I'm curious, one of you, as a government relations person, I feel like one of your jobs is is to just really have a sense of what other people are talking about and being networked and things like that. And, um, how are people reacting to this announcement?
3: Um, everybody's been excited about it. Um, I, I, again, the, the county and, and city, uh, including the city council, county commission, uh, the school board, all, all the members were, were, you know, everybody's been really excited about it. Um, and, and it's been a lot talked about a lot. I mean, even on the, on the state level, um, there's just been some interest in, and in how did you get that done? And, and, uh, congrats to Chattanooga for, for doing it. So it's, it's really gotten a lot of, uh, a lot of good feedback and a lot of interest from, from around the state.
2: And and have you had any feedback from folks who have traditionally been a bit hostile to Chattanooga uh, with this network program? I mean, you know, I know Senator Bowling has been a a champion, um, but uh, there's been others um, in the legislature who um, haven't been as supportive (laughs) of what you guys and and other municipalities have done.
3: Sure. I I think with uh, with COVID COVID and the the situation that we're in right now um, that everybody's in. I think it, everybody realizes the importance of, of internet access more than, than any time before. So coming to that realization and, and adding you know, solutions, which we've come up with a solution for, for schools, um, seeing that, I, I think that's sort of changed the mind or at least piqued an interest or, or looked in a direction they haven't looked before.
2: Great. I would presume that this is a, um, a population of children in part because of my experience in St. Paul, um, with low income families that that presumably have to move around a lot. And is this something, this isn't something where I think in December you'll be done. I'm presuming this is something you're going to have to, as new kids are coming on, this is an ongoing project for EPB to keep making sure folks are connected, right?
3: Sure. Yeah. And, and, and this, this will follow the student, you know, no matter what address they go to. Um, and that's something we're working through with Enterprise Center and, and with Jill and the school system on, on track and have been able to keep up with those addresses as they change.
2: Deb? And, it,
4: and honestly, the fact that it's free to the families is enormous. And the fact that if a family is currently paying EPB for service and they are on free and reduced lunch, they still qualify for free is pretty amazing, right? I mean, I feel like that is a stark difference from what we hear often when we're trying to solve these problems, right?
2: Yes. And, and one of the things that I feel like we're starting to see with, I mean, I'll give Comcast credit, although there's plenty of, Things we can say where we disagree with them, their $10 a month program has set the bar um, and it's made a lot of difference in millions of families' lives. Um, But one of the things we've seen because of research on that over the years is that $10 a month is not something all families can handle. Um, And so making it free really is that next step that's important to get everyone connected.
0: And free and high speed. So if you look at the difference in the speed, if you're at a hundred megabits per second versus, you know, 25 or, or whatever the case may be, um, just makes learning more accessible, um, for kids.
2: Right. I was, I was thinking that if the Octomom moved to Chattanooga, all the kids could be zooming in their own classes without a problem on that connection.
0: <laughs> as long as she has eight devices.
2: Right.
4: <laughs> well, and, you know, we never have charged children for textbooks, right? Um, Learning has to happen in a way that allows every child access to the resource, and we have always given every child a textbook and in this case the learning happens by by computer and Internet access, and so we must provide equitable opportunities.
2: Deb, I, um, this is something that I, I had a little bit of advance notice on from a, a certain um, you know, friendly little bird in, in Tennessee. And, and I knew at that, that time there was, uh, there was hope that the money would be raised. And I know the money is still uh, – there's still more money that needs to be raised. There's enough to, to get it going. Um, but can you tell us a little bit about where the money's coming from?
4: Sure. We have had such great partners, great philanthropy locally that has donated. Also, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Tennessee – The city, the county, the school department, all of them have donated. We still have a Delta of a few million dollars. We would love to have more donors consider providing support. And the other thing I would love to see is some funding to do some research. This is such a unique moment in time with such potential for outcomes, not just for the children in the program, but for the whole family. And I would love to have some research done to show how Having this access impacts quality of life for all.
2: And I want to hear from uh, Jill and Evan on that. And I want to ask about the indirect benefits that we would expect to see in the community as a result of this. Because this is something that, that Deb, you and I have discussed more recently. And I think it is just so important because I don't think people appreciate the return on investment that we will see from bringing high quality connectivity. I mean, there's all kinds of things. Telehealth is one that a lot of people are aware of now that we'll see these benefits from, but, um, Jill, can you give us a sense of what other benefits we might see aside from just better learning opportunities?
0: Well, we talk about equity a lot, um, in our community, but a lot of times that's really in the abstract and this is a really concrete way to advance, um, just the the whole principle of equity and to provide opportunity for kids who otherwise um, won't have it, don't have it. So, so that's one, but also when kids are connected to high quality learning, they learn more. And we need a better educated workforce um, in our community. We want to keep, uh, we want to attract business here. um, And we want to provide people that are are ready to go to work and, and do a great job for businesses when they move here. So I think this is a great step in the right direction as far as that goes as well.
2: I want to make a prediction and you can, we can laugh at me. Maybe we'll come back in a couple of years um, to just for you can laugh at me. I think disciplinary records may go down. I think we may see, um, (laughs) I think that kids having something to do. And I mean, like it might just be, even be video games. I think there's a lot to be said for kids um, having things in their lives. They're really excited about and, um, and that keeping them out of trouble. Um, And that's, I think in the schools is a place where I I really hope that you'll notice that it happens.
4: The other piece of that is that when your parents are engaged, students are much more successful. There's tons of research on that. But also when your parents are engaged and the teachers can communicate more quickly and easily with parents, trust me, discipline issues go down.
2: (laughs) And so, Evan, um, I'm curious what other things you might expect in terms of benefits that we may not expect from this um, just unprecedented opportunity.
3: Oh, yeah, I, I think t- telehealth is, is going to be huge, uh, especially. I mean, if, if you're talking about the, the pandemic we're going through now, um, and and the, the most vulnerable population is that of seniors and and, and low income folks. Um, so, being able to to now have access to that, uh, you know, another step you know down the road could be engaging healthcare providers to to provide you know better telehealth services um, and, and getting those devices in the home. Uh, workforce developments, I, I think that a big piece, I mean, uh, just a lot of, you know, I, I can think of, of family members off the top of my head that are not going to have to go to the library and apply for a job application and put in a job application. They, they could do that from home and, and have the access to do it. Um, and, and again, just having all this information at your fingertips, um, you know, the, the online school for, for um, adults, you know, going back to school, that all those opportunities just open up. That's wonderful. So
2: let me ask Deb, is there any last words that you have for us?
4: I will say that I have spent a lot of my life working on this issue and I am thankful to have landed in this place at this time, <laughs> part of HCS EdConnect powered by EPB. It is a joy to be involved.
2: I believe it. Um, thank you so much for your time. Um, Evan, I'm, I'm a little bit worried uh, the river has not moved behind you in all this <laughs> time we've been talking. So you may want to check things out. Uh, might be a wizard around.
3: I actually took that picture when I was, uh, I was running, um, so th- this is just showing how fast I was going.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much. Thank you, Jill. Thank you, Evan. Thanks, Chris. Nice
1: talking thank to you.
4: you. Thanks, Chris. Always good to see you.
1: That was Christopher talking with Jill Levine, Evan Freeman, and Deb Sosha. We have transcripts for this and other podcasts available at muninetworks.org slash broadbandbits. Email us at podcast at muninetworks.org with your ideas for the show. Follow Chris on Twitter. His handle is at Community Nets. Follow MuniNetworks.org stories on Twitter. The handle is at Muni Networks. Subscribe to this and other podcasts from ILSR, including Building Local Power, Local Energy Rules, and the Composting for Community podcast. You can access them anywhere you get your podcasts. You can catch the latest important research from all of our initiatives if you subscribe to our monthly newsletter at ILSR.org. While you're there, please take a moment to donate. Your support in any amount keeps us going. Thank you to Arnie Hughesby for the song Warm Duck Shuffle, licensed through Creative Commons. This was episode 425 of the Community Broadband Bits podcast. Thanks for listening.